الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في شان حبيبه إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم الصلاة والسلام عليك يا رسول الله وعلى آلك وأصحابك يا رحمة للعالمين بمرد بالأجلس وسبتك بأجلس وسستز الإسلام Our beautiful future generations May Allah Ta'ala bless them and grant them success and protection From the evils and immoralities of this world May Allah Ta'ala keep them true to the path of Him And may Allah Ta'ala make them the future beacons of guiding light For humanity as a whole Amin Thumma Amin We praise Allah Ta'ala We thank Allah Ta'ala for this opportunity of ascending in His blessed house On this virtuous day of your new Jum'ah May Allah Ta'ala accept our presence May Allah Ta'ala revive our Islam and our Iman May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala resurrect our state of conscientiousness which has died to a certain level within us May Allah Ta'ala give us a heightened sense of His obedience and His submission And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us a success in this world That which Allah Ta'ala deems as success Not which is our own constrained definition of success May Allah Ta'ala grant us the ultimate salvation in the hereafter Amin Thumma Amin we send salawat and abundance upon the most beloved, the most revered, the most blessed, the most beautiful, the most honorable, the most respected creation of Allah, Sayyidina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah, as the onset of a new Islamic law is imminent, we do not forget and we look at what is apparent and what is before us and we focus on the day rather than the days ahead. And Alhamdulillah, whilst we are still in the blessed month of Zul-Hijjah, we have had many discussions surrounding Hajj and the other virtues of this great month. Whilst we are still in this month, may Allah Ta'ala bless us with good deeds, may Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to refrain from evil, and may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us companionship from amongst His pious and beloved servants on the Day of Judgment, Amin Thumma Amin, which is always a hadith which I narrate regarding one part of our existence as believers being based upon action and that which is physical and then there is obviously the other factor of being a believer which is emotional and that is the attachments that we establish with the beloved servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remember simply applying ourselves the physicality of ibadah to Allah ta'ala in terms of that which is obligatory and that which is optional Unfortunately, at times, it becomes ritualistic. So in our lives, we do not require that which is ritualistic. We require something which is spiritualistic. And spiritualistic can only be inculcated and evoked when there is a bond of love that is established between a believer and his creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But as human beings, naturally, our perception of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that which we know, that which we have been educated regarding. But it is very difficult for us to ponder further than that regarding the zat and the sifat and the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we are humans, Allah has created us as humans and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not human like us for those who claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ma'ad Allah has body parts and attributes any type of physicality to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Quran begins by saying لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ that there is nothing or there is nobody like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is nothing or nobody that can be compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way, shape or form. 
And the beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also reminded us that do not try to ponder too much about the Fahad and the Sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is something that is unattainable, it is unachievable and the more we try and ponder about it with our limited comprehension and understanding being limited by how Allah Ta'ala has created our mind and how Allah Ta'ala has created our imaginations and how Allah Ta'ala has created us sometimes even with delusions and hallucinations as well. Then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reminded us that do not, if you are going to ponder, ponder over the creation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala but don't over ponder or overthink or try to examine the Zat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you will never have the power or the acumen or the brain or the intelligence to truly understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we, before we establish this relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we also have to understand within ourselves that Allah ta'ala has imposed upon us also loving His creation and not only loving our fellow Muslims, this is one faculty of love for the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but more importantly, establishing a connection with not only the creation of Allah, but the most beloved creations of Allah. And that is the most beloved of Allah, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted them such exceedingly high status in the hearts of the believers and in the history of the world that according to scholars of Islam, if one have to reject these beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, create enmity with them, oppose them, disagree with them, reject them, find contempt in their behavior, cast aspersions to their character, then one is considered out of the fold of Islam. Remember, believing Allah is the crux, it is the pivot and the fulcrum of belief. But Allah Ta'ala has given some personalities in Islam such a significant status that to reject them or to criticize them or to derogate them or degrade them in any way to belittle the status, it will also cast us out of the fold of Islam. Although one can believe in Allah, but if one rejects the beloved of Allah, Allah Ta'ala does not consider that as sufficient to be a Muslim and to be a believer. One of these personalities, and Alhamdulillah, today is the day, and I've always repeated this, those who forget the heroes of their past will be remembered as villains by the future generations. Why? Because if we do not consistently and continuously transfer this information to embed love in the hearts of the future generations, Alhamdulillah, I see so many youngsters before me, they need to know, it is their right to know and they are entitled to know about our heroes of Islam and those who Allah Ta'ala elevated to such a status that even to reject them, Allah Ta'ala will not consider one's Islam as complete and fulfilled and satisfactory. And in this month of Zul Hijjah, Alhamdulillah, we commemorate and we remember two amongst the greatest and most beloved servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, two amongst the most beloved of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and two who should be from amongst the most beloved of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that is Khalifa to Muslimin, our master Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala, the second Khalifa of Islam, the beloved of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and there are 
after Sayyidina, our master Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, radiallahu ta'ala, who ay ghani, who is the third caliph of Islam, and the beloved of Rasulullah, and the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both of these demands were decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this discipline of the Hijjah. Two of them. And on the 18th, according to some narrations, there will only be variations in the date. But it does not negate the importance of the event. Remember, you might get different versions on the date, but the event itself is what we are here to commemorate, and that is these two great servants of Allah Ta'ala in the blessed month of the Hijjah. Now, last year, Alhamdulillah, there has always been a culture of this masjid. That when it comes to the Ashab and the companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Alhamdulillah, we hold them in the highest of esteem. And we always endeavor to ensure that they are never forgotten. And we always endeavor to ensure that their hearts are instilled, not only in the love of those who are adults, those who are middle-aged, but especially those who are our youth, so they can look at them as their heroes, and they can look at them as their standard bearers on how to empower themselves with the same type of qualities and achieve the same type of success that were achieved by the great companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. pillars in this masjid, and the beautiful names that you see on the masjid of the Asha Mubashra will testify to that. So last year we, we also, alhamdulillah, conducted a program on a Friday. reason was it gives me an opportunity to speak about both of these great Amirulis and both of these great companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And therefore, the first phase of speaking on one of them was on the occasion of Jum'ah. And inshallah, for those brothers who are here, inshallah, this evening after Salatul Isha, we will be hosting a commemorative program on both these great servants of Islam. So please, we will speak on one during the time of Jum'ah. Inshallah, we will continue uh, with the other great servants of Islam after Salatul Isha this evening. So please, this is simply a preview, and inshallah, it will. Uh, evoke enough interest and enough muhabbat that we can try and attend the program this evening as well. So last year, if I remember correctly, on the occasion of Jummah, I spoke on Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan al-Khalil radiallahu ta'ala. So today we take it chronologically according to the Khilafat and inshallah on this occasion we change it a bit and we will speak on Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala. And this is an attempt that I'm making which I know is going to result in abject failure to try and encompass, and encompass the, 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 the vast and the magnificent life of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala who is the conqueror we, we will try inshallah to discuss how he came into Islam we will discuss some virtues about him and we will discuss hopefully inshallah a very small part of his demise and we make God ta'ala give us the tawfiq to try and encapsulate it in the short time that we have but remember foremostly that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala in his khilafat his Khilafat was only one decade, was approximately 10 years. And in this 10 years, if we look at this, it is regarded as the golden age of Islam. What he has achieved in 10 years? The conquest of such vast tracts of land. And it is mentioned that in his tenure as the Khalif of the Muslims and the believers, he conquered Iraq. Iran, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, Turkmenistan, Syria, Jordan, Palestine, Afghanistan, parts of Pakistan, and many more. So if we just take this into context, 
in 10 years as the leader of the believers, this was the achievement. We ask ourselves in comparison to the governments that we have in the world this year, that we can give them 30 years and 40 years rather than give progress and development in accordance with the success of Sayyidina Umar what we find is regress and what we find is we're going backwards instead of forwards. So, Alhamdulillah, our history in Islam is very, very rich. Now, when we're discussing Umar anhu, actually he was one of the most respected people of the Quraysh. In a short description, he was very tall, he was very fair in complexion, he was absolutely physically strong, he was an imposing figure. And he's mentioned that he was bald, but he had a very thick and profuse beard. Sayyidina Umar anhu was always appointed as a mediator in terms of whenever a dispute of the Quraysh arrived, Arisen, had arisen. Why? Because he was so well respected that if he gave a decision, people not only accepted it because of his wisdom and his insight, but obviously people accepted it as well because of his imposing physical figure. And people were either highly respectful of him or highly fearful of him, but this is the position and the status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him from amongst the Quraysh during the days of ignorance. And then the blessed dua of the beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa at that time when Muslims were being persecuted, Muslims were being oppressed, Muslims could not say their prayers in public, Muslims could not openly declare their Islam, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Allahumma a'izzal islama, oh Allah, strengthen Islam, fortify Islam, bi ahabbi hazi out of your love for one of these two people. So the condition Nabi Sallallahu attached was that, Oh Allah, choose two. And whoever you choose from amongst these two as the one who you love, strengthen Islam with them. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned two names, Umar ibn Khattab or Amr ibn Hisham. Amr ibn Hisham is known notoriously uh, or infamously as Abu Jahl. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested his love for Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to fortify and to strengthen Islam and to give it integrity and to give it stability. And it is mentioned that the story of the conversion of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu is well known when he set out to assassinate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He went to the house of his sister and he found them reciting the Quran and he had beaten them up profusely and thereafter conscientiousness and sympathy overtook him and he was taken to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But it is narrated that before that, that was his official entry into Islam, but before that, his heart was already beating to the tune and to the melody and the beauty of Islam. And he himself states that prior to my accepting Islam officially in the hands of the Prophet ﷺ, he said once I was observing the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ and he started his prayer. And he said I stood there to observe what he is reading. And Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ was reciting Surah Al-Haqq. And he said that he, Sayyidina Umar was so overwhelmed and he was so taken aback by the beauty of the words of the Holy Quran in his disbelief and in his hatred for the Muslims and for the Prophet Why? Because Sayyidina Umar was very traditional. He was very loyal and very allegiant to his customs and to the traditions of his people. Naturally, people who are passionate about their communities 
will feel a certain sense of offense if anything is said against them or anything is said to be critical of them. So this was why he had a deep-seated hatred, but also within his mind there was a certain expansion to embrace things that were good. And the Quran, when the verses of this Prophet وسلم, uh, was recited in the Holy Quran, that when he heard the words of the Holy Quran, he said to himself that these are very beautiful words. But it does not mean that Muhammad وسلم, is a prophet, nor has he been sent by Allah. But I believe in that he is able to harness the skill of poetry, and therefore the words that he is reading is not necessarily a revelation, but rather it is that he is a very, very great and very uh, skilled poet. So these are the words of a poet, and this is a poem that is recited. And so Allah Ta'ala revealed to speak to the heart of Sayyidina Umar Radiallahu that when he thought that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was reading poetry and he was a skilled poet in certain revelation, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said, Rasulin Kareem, that these are the words of a very noble Prophet. That these, and the Prophet is reciting this, and Sayyidina Umar Radiallahu is questioning himself, and Allah is communicating to Sayyidina Umar Radiallahu regarding his thoughts to the words of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sayyidina Umar said that this is the word of a poet. Allah said this is not the word of a poet. And then when he heard that, he became perplexed. And he said, okay, if it is confirming that these are not the words of a poet, maybe these are the words of a soothsayer, one who is a fortune teller. And then the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Umar, to the mouth of the Prophet I'm telling you that this is not even the words of a soothsayer. This is the revelation from the word of the words. So Allah Ta'ala was always engaging in conversation with Sayyidina Umar Abdullah before he even became a Muslim, but Allah Ta'ala used the medium of the beloved Nabi Sallallahu to communicate directly with him. And then this was the first instance that he had where he said that his heart began to tremble. It was at that time that the truth of Islam entered his heart, but due to what we call cognitive dissonance, that he was so stubborn in his belief, although he believed that Islam was right, but he still wanted to cover that and to conceal that because he could not go against the way of his ancestors. And then Alhamdulillah, when he accepted Islam officially at the hands of the Prophet وسلم, the hadith states that Sayyidina Jibreel وسلم, came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad وسلم, Ya Umar that indeed the inhabitants of the heaven are celebrating on Sayyidina Umar accepting the view of Islam. Now brothers, you know, one day there are literally tons of literature on the life of Sayyidina Umar but if I may just persist on how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated directly and agreed with the opinions of Sayyidina Umar by bringing revelation in the Quran and establishing certain compulsory practices in the deen of Islam through the thoughts and the opinions of Sayyidina Umar So we know the relationship between Umar and the beloved Nabi Sayyidina But let us look at the relationship that he had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Sayyidina Umar he negates and uh, uh, he narrates, and this is, this is very inspirational, how Allah Ta'ala loved him and how Allah Ta'ala took his thoughts and thoughts and his desires seriously. And so he narrates that, وَافَقَنِي رَبِّي فِي سَلَاسِ وَوَافَقَنِي رَبِّي فِي سَلَاسِ 
that I had an opinion between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on three things. And Allah ta'ala confirmed my opinion on these three things. You know when you have a thought about something and you want a reassurance or someone to reinforce your thought, to confirm it, and not necessarily any ordinary person, sometimes a great scholar, sometimes a really prominent person, sometimes an academic. If you have a thought or an opinion and you reinforce it and confirm it, then Alhamdulillah you feel so much more rejuvenated. So you say, I had a thought on three things and Allah Ta'ala made these three things into reality. The first he said, one day I approached the beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after we made Tawaf of the Kaaba. And he said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how good would it be if after making seven rounds of the Kaaba, we would perform two rakat of Salah at Maqam Ibrahim? He said, how nice it would be. This is his suggestion. This is his recommendation. This is his thought. And no sooner has he said that, Allah Ta'ala revealed in the Holy Quran, وَاتَّقِذُوا مِنْ مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُسَلَّمِ Let's take the place of Ibrahim as the place of two rakats of Salah. So when Salah Tawaf is performed seven times, we read two rakats of Salah at Maqami Ibrahim, while this was the desire and the thought of Sayyidina Umar Radiallahu Anhu, Allah Ta'ala enchants it in the Holy Quran. The second he said, that in the days of Islam, when people used to visit the beloved Nabi sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wasallam, he said that many people would visit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they did not adopt the etiquette of visiting the home of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam naturally being hospitable and accommodating in nature and being soft in nature, that if guests were to arrive and they did not conduct themselves properly or they had ulterior motives, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam out of his own humility, modesty and his sense of softness would not relate them, would not reprimand them. Really someone comes to your house and they become a guest uh, that unfortunately does not respect the etiquette of your home. Some people might say it because they are very straightforward. Some people will suppress it because they do not want to offend the guest. And you know to invite guests in the deen of Islam and to treat them hospitably is also one of the tenets of, of the deen of Islam. So when the, the people used to come to the house of the Prophet they used to come very early. And they used to sit in the house of the Prophet and relax and make conversation amongst themselves and they used to laugh and they used to joke whilst they were waiting for a meal to be served to them. And in this regard, they would impose upon the people of the house and make it inconvenient for them and cause them unnecessary trouble. So Sayyidina Umar said to the Prophet that Ya Rasulullah that there are many different types of people with different intentions coming into your house. And some of them are good and righteous people. And some of them may have evil intentions or may not arrive with an evil intention, but Shaitan may be able to overpower them and Shaitan will whisper in their ears where the intentions will become wrong. So he said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, at the time there was no veil in the house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and people could clearly and explicitly see and observe the blessed wives and our mothers, the blessed wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Sayyidina Umar who suggested to the beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there are some good people and there are some bad people. Ya Rasulullah, don't you think it would be better that if the screen was placed in your home where those who arrive as guests will not be able to see and to, and to look at the ummah
the heart of Mu'mineen so that if their intentions were bad, they would not be punished by Allah Ta'ala for something which they could not control. So it was twofold, to maintain the modesty and the chastity and the respect of the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen and also to save those who couldn't control their eyes and couldn't control their thoughts. And when he had the thought and he made this suggestion to the Prophet وسلم, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, وَإِن سَمَلْتْ وَإِن سَأَلْتُوهُنَّ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَاهِ حِجَابٍ Straight away, Allah Ta'ala revealed to the Prophet وسلم, that, Oh my beloved, that when those people wish to ask or make requests of anything regarding their hospitality from your blessed wives and the mothers of the believers, let them do so from behind a screen where they will not be able to physically, visually observe the blessed wives of the Prophet Second thought of Hazrat Umar the suggestion Allah Ta'ala placed it in Holy Quran. And the third one, that um, in Surah Al-Tahrim, an incident is described there regarding the wives of the Prophet Now I won't go too, into too much detail because we have to have a certain amount of intellectual, emotional maturity not to cast aspersions on the characters of the blessed wives of Rasulullah But naturally remember, they are the best of human beings, but they are still human beings. And they will sometimes succumb to their emotions, they will sometimes have a degree of envy, they will have a degree of possessiveness. As we find, alhamdulillah, most of our mothers and sisters, they have this heightened sense of possessiveness and envy. But this is the way Allah Ta'ala has created the nature of a woman. Why? Because this heightened sensitivity and emotion is what is very, very critical to bring up children and to nurture children. There has to be that sensitivity. Men generally have a much more different temperament, we not so sensitive and uh, we'll be more in control of things. Uh, which is not to say at times women lose their minds, but uh, I'm just not going to continue with that now. So to, to save myself. So when when the wives of the Prophet two of them noticed that the Prophet was spending a bit more time with another one of his wives, and I'm not mentioning names, then two of them hatched a plan to deter the Prophet from spending so much of time with that wife. She used to give him something which was very sweet honey and the Prophet loved this honey. And therefore he could stay a little longer with those with that wife. And two wives became very envious. And so they hatched amongst themselves and they said that we will say to the Prophet that a bad odor is emanating from him because the Prophet detested bad odors. So they said we tell him that a bad odor was emanating and it is probably as a result of this honey that he is eating so he would stay away from the honey and he would stay away from that wife as well and when Allah Ta'ala revealed to the Prophet that this is what was concocted between your two wives against the third wife then Sayyidina Umar he heard this one of the Prophet's wives who were involved with this was his daughter and he went and he reprimanded both of them and he scolded them and he shouted them and he said that how can you do this to the beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and manipulate in this way and so they reported they were strong headed women and said oh Umar if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself has not reprimanded us who are you to reprimand us? Who are you to say that if you 
do not see the Prophet Sallallahu the respect that he deserves, then he will divorce you and Allah will replace you with someone better. He, this is what he said to them, and they said to him, who, who has given you the right to say this to us when the Prophet Sallallahu himself has not expressed this to us? We see now, Umar who said that, again, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed in the Holy Quran, Asa Rabbahu in talaqatunya ayyibdilahu azwajan khayran minkum. Allah revealed that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself will make it so that if the Prophet ﷺ divorces you, then Allah will replace you with better wives than you are to the Prophet ﷺ. So again, in three instances, what emanated from the blessed mouth of Sayyidina Umar Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala included it in the Quran. So if this does not in any way demonstrate Allah's love for the beloved, Sayyidina Umar anhu, then I don't think there is any other example that's going to make it more easier for us to understand. You know, time has gone and I haven't even mentioned anything in the scrupulous, scrupulous life of Sayyidina Umar anhu. So maybe if time avails us some other time, then I will continue with that. But let's speak, as we said, it's a commemorative program, so let's speak on the demise of Sayyidina Umar Sayyidina Umar anhu was assassinated. 23 years after the Hijrah, after he had performed Hajj, Sayyidina Umar made this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is in Bukhari Sharif where he said that Allahumma zukhi shahadatan fi sabiilika O Allah, bless me with shahada in your path. And you Sayyidina Umar the greatest of the Amirul Mu'min, the greatest of the leaders to be on the earth at that time. You know, today we see mere counselors in our city being escorted by bodyguards. We, we saw recently the blue light situation of how people were assaulted on the roadside. And I always think to myself, and this is a personal thing, that a leader who needs to be protected from his own people that he serves, is the true leader? Or is he an enemy of the people? Because only if you have enemies, then you need protection. If you have been appointed to serve the people, the people should love you where the people themselves should protect you, not that you need protection from the people that you serve. This has always been my thought. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, very quickly brothers, I'm just going to indulge with you for one or two extra minutes. It's, it's, it's a nice incident. That when Palestine was conquered, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu traveled from Medina to Palestine on a donkey. No bodyguards, no army, no guards, him and his assistant. And look at his pupils, on his way, he is riding a donkey and his servant is walking next to him. And then he says to himself that I'm oppressing my servant if I'm going to ride the entire way to Palestine. And so he says to his servant, let us take turns. That I will ride for a short distance and then you ride the camel and I hold this, uh, the, the donkey and I hold the reins of the donkey while you are resting. And then he was so considerate about the donkey and the means of conveyance that he said that if we continuously decide riding, taking turns, then we are going to oppress the donkey because the donkey is not going to have any respite. So then they took turns, he rode, thereafter his servants rode, and for a short distance they used to let the donkey walk without any conveyance for it to recuperate and to recover. And so happened that when he entered Palestine as the conqueror, as the ultimate king, it was the turn of the servant to ride the donkey and he was holding the reins of the donkey while his servant was riding the donkey and he was entering Palestine as the conqueror. 
This is the scruples of Sayyidina Umar. So he said, Oh Allah, bless me with shahada in your path. And Allah Ta'ala blessed him with shahada. And what did he say after that? He said, And Ya Allah, one thing, that when I die, make me die in the city of Madinah from Munawwara, the city of your beloved Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when he was stabbed by Firoz Abu Yunu Mal'un, the one who is cursed, that is, it is a very deep uh, uh, historical account which I can't give in detail. But when he was assassinated, he was performing Fajr Salah. And he was stabbed many times by Firoz Abu Yunu. Today, who the Shias in Iran have built a mausoleum to honor the killer and the murder of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu so this is how much of hatred and condemnation they have for someone who has spent the last 25 minutes describing how much we should love him. So that should obviously make you draw your own conclusion. And then he came to Medina, he was stabbed. He was stabbed so many times that the Sahaba say that when they gave him milk to drink after he was stabbed, the milk was oozing out from his wounds. So they knew he was going to pass away. And he said to him, do you have any last request? And he said, go to Aisha and say to Aisha that I wish to be buried next to my blessed friend Abu Bakr and my master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in his house, the water. And when they made this request to Sayyidina Aisha, Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said that I had reserved the place for myself next to my beloved husband and my beloved father. But this is Umar radiallahu anhu. And she gave permission for Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu to be buried next to Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and the beloved Nabi sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. And his wish became fulfilled. And there's one beautiful thing, spiritual mufassilin have mentioned that in the hadith it is stated that everybody will be buried in the same sense from which they were created. Everybody, we were created from sand. We were created from clay. And from that piece of earth where Allah Ta'ala took the clay of the sand to create us, that is where we will return. Because from that place of earth, now look at the magnificence of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu Nabi sallallahu that what is between my roda and my pulpit is a piece of land from Jannah. So the first will say that if this piece of land on earth has been created uh, as a piece of the garden of Jannah, then it means that these three beloved servants of Allah Ta'ala were created from the sand of Jannah itself, not from the sand of this earth. Because that is where they have returned. SubhanAllah. Allah Ta'ala give us the trophy to love with Ishtar, Muhabbat and devotion our beloved Sahaba, especially Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu this day and inshallah as I mentioned for those brothers who didn't listen earlier that tonight we also have a commemorative program regarding Sayyidina Usman radiallahu anhu will be a short talk delivered uh, after Salat Isha that is tonight and inshallah we will uh, serve uh, light refreshments uh, please all are welcome and that will be inshallah the second phase of today's program I do apologize if I've, if I've taken a bit of extra time may Allah grant us to feed for our Sabah in as well. We make dry makhra for Zahra Bibi Ibrahim, late mother of our brother Sadi, uh, Muhammad Isub Abed, known as Lee Chacha, Fatima Bai, Yasmin Yaqub Bana, Abdul Basit Muhammad, Fatima Bibi Patel, and Malkum Arkeya Isaf, the late mother of Mulana Muhammad Ishaq, uh, and all the Muslims, we make for 
our Haji Roman Khansa, Alhamdulillah, his operation was a success. Uh, he is recovering at the moment. We make dua Allah Ta'ala, make it a speedy recovery. Uh, also for Farida Sheikh, Muhammad Bawa Hussein, uh, Muhammad Bayat Otis Lefs, Farida Adams, Hafiz Muhammad Osman, Fatiba Bidi Osman, Muhammad Jira, Nabila Khan, Osman uh, and Fazana Baba and all those who are in the Alitala Bantam Shafai Kamil Adil and Shalab and we can stand to perform our Surya Salah. Please don't forget to contribute generously to the Mahdi Jazakallah. And please come forward and fill in yourselves. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim Bismillahi Rahman Rahim Inna Allaha wa Malaikatahu Yusalluna Ala Nabi يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم يا معشر المسلمين رحمكم الله قد ورد في الخبر عن سيد البشري أنه قال إذا سعد الخطيب على المنبر فلا يتكلمن أحدكم ومن تكلم تقلها ومن لغى فلازم عتله فأوسطوا رحمته الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن فإن الحب هو الإيمان كله ألا لا إيمان لمن لا محب 
رزقنا الله تعالى واياكم بحب هذا النبي الكريم عليه الصلاه والسلام اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فمن يعمل مثقال ذره خيرا يره ومن يعمل مثقال ذره شرا يره بارك الله بارك الله لنا ولكم في القران العظيم ونفعنا واياكم بالايات والذكر الحكيم انه تعالى ملك كريم جواد ذو الرؤوف الرحيم اقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المؤمنين والمؤمنات انه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله لا سيما على اولهم بالتصديق وافضلهم بالتحقيق امير المؤمنين سيدنا ابا بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اعدل الاصحاب مذيل المنبر والمحرام امير المؤمنين سيدنا عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى جامع القران كامل الحياء والايمان امير المؤمنين سيدنا عثمان بن عفان رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اسد الله غالبا امام المشارق والمغاربه امير المؤمنين سيدنا علي بن ابي طالب كرم الله تعالى وجهه الكريم وعلى ابنيه الكريمين ابي محمد بن الحسن وابي عبد الله الحسين رضي الله تعالى عنهما وعلى امهما سيده النساء فاطمه زهراء رضي الله تعالى عنها وعلى سائر الصحابه اجمعين اللهم انصر من نصر دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا وجعلنا منهم اللهم اغفر من خذل دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا ولا تجعلنا منهم عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجيب لكم ويذكر الله تعالى اعلى واولى واعز واجل واتم واهم واعظم واكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون صفوا صفوفكم يرحمكم الله الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان محمدا رسول الله اشهد ان محمدا رسول الله حي على الصلاه حي على الصلاه حي على الصلاه حي على الصلاه قد قيمت الصلاة قد قيمت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين
يراكم من أحد ثم انصرفوا صرف الله قلوبهم بأنهم قوم لا يفقهون لقد جاءكم رسول من أنفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم ما عنتم حديث عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف رحيم فإن تولوا فقل حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ألم نشرح لك صدرك ووضحنا عنك وزرك الذي أنقذ ظهرك ورفعنا لك ذكرك فإن مع العسر يسرا إن مع العسر يسرا فإذا فرغت فانصب وإلى ربك فارغب الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمدا الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله العظيم والتواب الرحيم الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم اللهم انت السلام منك السلام تباركت ربنا وتعاليت يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم انا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم ربنا تقبل منا هذه صلاة الجمعة مع جماعة المسلمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه 
وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين